It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast. My name is Jeff Luck. I'm a writer for The Athletic, and each week I ask the same 12 questions to a different race car driver. Up next is Kenny Wallace, who, yes, he still is a race car driver. He races dirt all the time, even though he's not in NASCAR anymore. And with NASCAR headed to Gateway, or Worldwide Technology Raceway, for its inaugural Cup Series race this weekend, I thought, you know what, Kenny Wallace, St. Louis, let's get him on the podcast. This was one of the uh, more in-depth um interesting conversations I've ever had in whatever 12 years of doing the 12 questions podcast or however many years it is. So, um, I hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's on the longer side and, uh, there's a couple moments of strong language. If, if you're one of the people who listens to this, um, with children in the car, don't, uh, don't do that for this one. I didn't bleep it. So, um, anyway, just a warning there, but, uh, I really hope you'll enjoy this. I, I, Really had a great time doing this, and uh, let's see what you think. All right, I think we're on. Hi, everybody. I'm here with Kenny Wallace. Kenny, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It, it's uh, it makes me happy to see the legend in real. There's your face. <laughs> I was looking at a legend. I didn't think I I'm a legend. No, it's it's good to see you. Um, thank you for doing this. I'm excited that the St. Louis race is coming up, and when I think of St. Louis, I think of you. So I wanted to have you on here. And, um, I'll, Thank I'll you. jump right into it here. Yeah. Um, so the first question, Kenny is how do you feel about people reclining their seats on airplanes? <laughs> you know, that's a double-edged sword. When you want yours reclined, you want, you want it reclined, you know? And then when you're behind them, you don't want them to recline it. So it, it's a, it's, it's give and take. <laughs> Indeed. Are, do you wait to see what somebody else does before you take action or are you just doing your own thing? You know, although, although if you make me mad, I can, I can be mean. I, I like to, I, I don't want any drama at the airports. You know, that is the very reason I quit NASCAR on TV early in my career. Those listen, that process of going to that airport and fighting, fighting all those people, and, and then getting off that airplane and getting your rental car and getting to the hotel and being alone by yourself every night, it'll take a grown man down. So there's technique to all that, that fighting and traveling and, and getting my luggage up there. And I don't want anything to do with that stuff anymore. Now, that is truly the hell tour. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you on that. Absolutely. Um, how often do you get recognized at the grocery store? Great question. My hometown of Arnold, Missouri, they are very good to me. And I've been back six years. I was gone 27 years. And wow. uh, people are very nice to me at, at home. I, I love living in Arnold, Missouri. Every restaurant I go to, they always meet me with like, a, hey, Kenny. And uh, 
all the time in St. Louis. Just and people, but people are really nice to me, and, and I enjoy that. That's great. I love that. It's kind of like uh, the whole town is like your version of Cheers or something. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that um, you know I'm good for the community, and they know that. And um, I don't have a mean bone in my body. I'll give my opinion on something, but that don't mean I'm mean. So uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, they're good to me. Nice. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how good are you at replying to text messages in a timely manner? Ten. And, oh, and when, you're good texting. I'm very good, and uh, when people text to me and I respond, and they and they want to do that deal where they respond an hour later. I think a lot of people do that to make themselves feel important. You know, <laughs> I, I I know for a fact. I, I don't know. I'm not saying I know for a fact. I just really feel like a lot of people, you know, are busy being famous and, and they see it and they go, oh, I'll just let that sit there for a little bit to make the people think I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so true. Uh, what is the best way to get out of a conversation with someone who won't stop talking? That's a great question because I deal with that at the racetracks. So a lot of people walk up to me at the racetracks while I'm working on my dirt car. And um, I try to give them 30 seconds. They can clearly see I'm working. And, and I, I just, you know, it depends what the situation is. But if, if I got my fire suit on, I'm working on my race car. And somebody wants to tell me about their grandma or grandpa. I listen for about 30 seconds and I'm like, okay. I got to go. I got to get my car ready. My race is getting ready to start. That's my go-to. I mean, Hey, it makes sense. I, I, I can see why people would feel you're so approachable because you are, you're so nice and you, you know, everybody loves you, but then it's kind of like, you know, sometimes you have the things to do, you know what I mean? There, there's a big misconception out there. And, uh, I'm happy to see that Dick Berger and, uh, there's an article just came out. Dick Berger wrote it. Um, it's a Speedway Illustrated, and it's, it's about Kenny Wallace's uh, final ride. And what I really like about Dick is he gets it right in here because, uh, you know, a lot of people forget that I'm a, I'm a mechanic crew chief first, right? 1984, I was the crew chief on Joe Rutman's lead by Garrett Carr. But uh, so anyway, there, there's, a, uh, there's a piece in here that says – you know, Kenny Wallace does it all on his car from airing the tires up and working on the carburetor. And I, I think all those years on TV, uh, there, there's a group that doesn't realize my history. They think I'm just a race car driver and specifically just a NASCAR driver where I don't do anything. <laughs> and uh, I'd say me and Bobby Labonte are, are a lot alike. We came up as crew members and then we became race car drivers. So I have things to do at the racetrack. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, if you could pick only one form of social media to use and drop all of the rest, which would it be? Gosh, darn it. I'm struggling with that right now. Uh, you know, the way the story goes is uh, I threatened myself about a year ago and, and uh, all of a sudden my phone rang and I looked down and it was Dale Earnhardt Jr. Usually we just text each other. It shocked me, you know, because he's famous. And although we're friends, we just text. And he goes, hey, man, he says, don't 
leave social media. I like to hear what you have to say. However, if you do stick with Instagram because our, our studies find that, you know, Instagram is the best quality. However, for me, I do like pushing on that little hourglass on Twitter because I can see all the news, you know, what's going on. Um, I really struggle with social media because it does put me in a bad mood and fills my head with bad vibes. Um, like I said, I'm struggling with it. And uh, Instagram's fun. Nobody argues with you. You know, if, if I'm here, let me, I got to answer it this way. I would stay with Twitter because I can simply get everything I need to get. You know, Facebook's horrible. It's like the National Enquirer, their news section. That's, you know, it, clickbait is one thing. I might do the same thing when I do something on YouTube, you know, to get a headline for people to click on it. But I'm not vicious like Facebook is. They're God awful. Yeah. And uh, it, at least Twitter, it's a real article. And uh, so I, I'd probably have to, you know, as of right now, keep Twitter only because I, I, you know, if I'm, if I'm wanting to know what's up, I can go there and, and see the news. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was really looking forward to your answer on this question. Cause I feel like we've had sort of a similar journey with the social media stuff. I, I remember we, back in 2010, we went to this social media motorsports conference. We were at the same conference and we were telling people about like, it, it, people were just learning about Twitter. We were saying how to use Twitter, what we use it for. And back then it was like all the early adopters and it was so refreshing because everybody was pretty nice on Twitter and there wasn't like a lot of trolls and meanness and it's obviously changed, but you, you know, I still see you engaging all the time and I'm tempted to just be like, you know, the hell with this sometimes. Right. Well, Why have you stayed way. on? Yeah. So well, how come you haven't, I guess? Well, well let's be clear. Breaking news right now with me. Uh, if you have followed me over the last two, three weeks, I'm I'm off of it. I went I went totally to uh, YouTube because right. uh, because what I found is that I I do have an opinion about everything, and I found that YouTube gives me a long format. Uh, I find that anything I say on Twitter, people are going to bash anybody. I have studied that people talk horribly to Kevin Harvick, horribly to anybody. Everybody talks bad to everybody. There's no exceptions. Uh, you know, so if you look over my last three weeks, all I'm doing is posting what I'm putting on YouTube. And, uh, and that's because I would go to bed and those arguments would be in my head. It would, you know, social media it was affecting my, my brain affecting my quality of life. And uh, I feel like I'm strong-minded. I feel like that I can diagnose myself. I don't need a therapist. I don't need a psychiatrist. Although I, I have been to a sports psychiatrist up in T Topeka, Kansas. Did help me. Uh, how to justify things made me better. But um, yes, I have people right now jumping on me. Oh, you're not strong enough to argue on Twitter. I said... And, and I won't respond. So what I am doing now is uh, I got a, 
a good friend here in St. Louis. His name's Charlie Marlowe. Charlie was on uh, Channel Two Sports here, and uh, he said, "Herm, he goes, I know you don't know anything about YouTube, but just if you just want to keep making your content, send it to me, and uh, I'll edit it all up." And so I took it from that, and I dreamed all this up on my own. So I've got to get out of those arguing ways. Uh, I just I used to argue because I don't know. At first I thought it was fun spirited. And I remember telling you 15 years ago, when I put a little LOL, that means it's lighthearted and hell that don't even work anymore. You know? So uh, that's my take right now. Yeah, no, I, that's very relatable to me. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, what advice would you give someone who is having a hard time getting over a mistake they've made? I just dealt with that with a close friend. Um, I told him, I said, listen, get in your car, roll the windows down, turn the music up, do the speed limit, just smile, man. You know, uh, I've lived by this. And listen, my NASCAR career did not go anywhere near the way I wanted. And I've been very open about it. Um, You know, I, I wanted to be Jeff Gordon. I wanted to be him. And although I've talked to him about it, you know, He's been very good to me about it. But, you know, Jeff has crushed a lot of dreams in my era. And, uh, you know, I changed my life around. And and I'll tell this person this. My best quote that I can give for people is this. You know, and everybody knows it by now. Tough times last a while. Tough people last forever. That's number one. But then the other one that really helps me is, your life won't change until you change your life. We have the ability. Now I've learned these things. You know, the great thing about my life is I'm very clear to people. I don't preach and I don't tell anybody anything. I tell them my story. And that's the one thing that really helped me was your life won't change until you change your life. You cannot wait for people to help you, you know, because everybody's dealing with issues. I know people that are worth, you know, there's no way Elon Musk is perfect. There's no way that Warren Buffett is perfect. The wealthiest people in the world deal with mom and dads abandoning them. And, you know, we, we all got that, that issue. You know, was my dad mean to me? Was my mom mean to me? Am I not getting out of my career what I want? Nobody likes me. Everybody divorces. Uh, we watch it play out with these marriages in NASCAR. So, uh, you know, life's a journey. That's number one, because you got to realize that, you know, we're born and this is part of the journey. You know, that it's just, this is a journey we're on. We're not going anywhere. We're not going to go somewhere and stand on top of a mountain and go, oh, I win. Mm. And, you know, so uh, I've been through a lot. You know, I've been through a lot and I don't wish what I went through on anybody. I've been made fun of because. I wasn't really good at NASCAR, uh, you know, and uh, the shit hurts. You know, it hurts anybody. And he, even guys that have won championships right now in NASCAR, you know, th- their feelings get hurt too. And I know that for a fact. So we're all vulnerable. There, there's no exceptions to the rule. Tom Brady, you think that some bitch has done it all? No, he, he can't quit, you know, because in his brain, you know, so it's crazy. Uh, 
we're all the same and we just don't know it. Oh, that's such a great point. That's so true. It's absolutely true. Um, so this is a, a wild card question where I'm mixing it up for um, each different person. And I was just curious, you know, you've, you've obviously taken a step back from the, the NASCAR part of things. Obviously, you're still racing quite a lot. Um, what is one thing from the dirt racing stuff that you do that you wish you could bring to NASCAR, whether it's a mentality or something about the show or, you know, the access, so, something along those lines that you really appreciate about dirt racing that you wish NASCAR could sort of adopt? That is a good question. When I was in NASCAR and things were just miserable for me and it was more, more miserable than not. And I admitted that after my NASCAR career on that Dale Jr. podcast, the great thing that I love about what I'm doing right now is when you have a bad night, about 15 minutes, I give myself 15 minutes to pout and then I grab a beer. <laughs> you know in nascar they can swallow you up and they can somewhat just kill your spirit you know it, it's the driver's fault it's the motorman's fault it's the pit crew's fault you know it's you know it's all everybody's everybody everybody's fault in nascar what i wish we could adopt in nascar and i know we can't because there's so much money and sponsorship involved is just Simmer down. I think that's my new two words. Simmer down. That means, man, it's not life and death. You know, it's not, it's not life and death. And when I was in NASCAR, it was all life and death. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there were times in my NASCAR career that I truly thought that I wasn't worthy of even, I wasn't, wasn't worthy. I just, I was a horrible human being because I couldn't get up to speed the way I wanted to. And somehow I survived that whole damn mess. But I, I wish, I wish all my friends, all my crew member buddies I see, you know, they shave their heads, they put those Oakley sunglasses on or, you know, Twitch sunglasses and they put the backpack on and they just, they look, they just remind me of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. They all in marching step. And, you know, if, if I could, Put them on Saturday Night Live, it, it'd be, oh, we, oh, oh. You know, they're, they're sitting at the gate at 6 in the morning. They're waiting for the gate to open, and they rushed like a herd of cows. And I'm like, oh, God, I remember those days. I fucking hated them. And I hate it for all my NASCAR friends because they tell me how bad they hate it. But yeah, I, I just wish I could bring Simmer – down take, let's take it down a couple notches i know it's a serious sport i get it and i know it requires a sense of misery i get that because the stakes are so high and you know it'll never happen but i'm just saying if i was the dreaming that's what i wish could happen um kenny hopefully this would never happen to you but uh if someone blatantly wrecked you yep. to win a race yep. would you interrupt their victory celebration Absolutely not. It is not in my DNA. I would just wreck them back. And I, I, did, <laughs> I did that. You know, I did that. Uh, you know, I'm not proud of any type of junky arguments. But listen, it was Earnhardt that taught me that. It it takes incredible patience. And, you know, I, I listen, I'm lucky. You know, I've said it before. 
I was very lucky in life from that standpoint. I grew up in the greatest era, and I know I did. I came into NASCAR as a crew chief in 84, all right? And then I moved back to St. Louis, went down in November of 88, and I got into NASCAR when it was skyrocketing, and I got out of NASCAR when it was plummeting. And the one thing I learned about those days, Earnhardt taught us all, but he specifically taught me. He, that old grin, he'd say, you know, turn three at Phoenix late in the year, just when they forget. Make sure they forget and make it count. Guys like <laughs> guys like Ricky Rudd, Earnhardt, they were the best at that. These kids now, they think they got to get you back the next week. Uh-uh. Man, the best, the best ones are the patient ones. <laughs> yeah, why, I love that. Why did he do that? Well, remember six months ago? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I get you what back. What movie? Yes. Um, what movie do you think you've seen the most times in the last year? Oh, I, you know, listen, uh, th- this is going to sound odd, but the one movie that I don't mind watching a couple times is uh, The Green Mile. Uh, oh, okay. It's a very good movie, it, and it's it, it's also at the end, maybe a day or two later, you realize you've been taught a lesson where uh, basically there's this mouse and this guy, and, they, and uh, it, there's a lot more to the storyline, but basically the bottom line is, is they just age and they won't die. Everybody else dies except them, and uh, it, it starts out with Tom Hanks in a jail cell, and uh, it's just an incredibly – really good movie uh, and you know listen it might change by the years but right now off the top of my head that's the one that i've watched two or three times and every time i watch it uh it's new okay i love that uh when you think about nascar five years from now what are you the most optimistic about and what worries you the most what i'm the most optimistic about is they'll find their way back to acceptance. In other words, where the story won't be everything they're doing wrong. Mm. You know, for the last 15 years, they've done everything wrong. You know, they, they built that track in Chicago wrong. They built that track in Kentucky and they messed it up wrong. Uh, They left Wilkesboro. They left Rockingham. You know, life has come full circle. Now, now we realize that there's nothing wrong with 60,000 people in the grandstands and a great, right. and great TV rating. We used to think we, you know, the more the merrier. We, we, we thought it was awesome when there was 250,000 people every single week and it was a clusterfuck. You know, people couldn't get in and out of the racetracks and inevitably that was the end of Kentucky. You know, they didn't have enough parking space and they sold those tickets knowing they didn't have enough parking space. And uh, I hope that five years from now that they're finally back to being accepted. And and the storyline is not how bad NASCAR is. Uh, That's that's what I really hope. Uh, What was the other one? Just what what concerns you the most, I guess. I think what concerns me the most is that and I don't want you to take this wrong. I, I don't know what you are, Democrat, Republican, but I I hope that we get out of this uh, political disaster 
you know, NASCAR, you know, and a lot of sports people are, 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 you know, putting their two feet in. I hope that that's gone. I hope it's a distant memory. Um, I really do. I, you know, I just, I, all, I remember my whole life that I didn't know about politics. I didn't even know about it. Didn't even care about it. Hell, I was 50 years old. Didn't even know about it. I'm 58 now. Hell, around 54 is when I first started paying attention to it. So I hope those days are gone. Uh, it's been a fucking disaster. Yeah, for you feels, for you and me and everybody. It feels inescapable sometimes, yeah. Um, so a magic genie appears and offers you the chance to go back to the beginning of your racing career and start all over. But there's a catch. You get to retain all of the knowledge and experience that you have now. So do you go back to the beginning and start over or do you stay in the present? Schrader once said, I don't want to do over because I'm afraid I'll mess it up. I believe God put me on earth to be me. I know that I'm different. However, if I had a do over, I just wish my very first race car would have been that number one Penzo car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, if if my first ride would have been that car, I'd probably be a, another Denny Hamlin by now. Uh, I misjudged how important equipment was, and we're seeing that play out now with these cars equally prepared, you know, and guys like Tyler Reddick and Ross Chastain, and you know, uh, you know, it, it's just uh, uh, I believe in my ability. I'm not cocky about it. But uh, by God, when I when I got in a good car, I showed up. You know, you're young, but they used to call me the super sub because anytime the great race car driver got hurt, they'd call me up and, and I'd perform. And I'm like, damn it. I wish I had that right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, I yeah, bet. if I could go back and have a do-over, I wish my first car would have been that number one Penzo car because – when I drove that car and set on the pole at Rockingham and led all those laps, it, I'm convinced it extended my career another five years. And, uh, wow. Yeah. I had a lot of people come up to me, you know, Mark Martin and said, Herman quote unquote, he's car, the car matters. Doesn't I said, it sure does. And, you know, I had a lot of confidence early in my career and I thought it was all driver. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I got a rude lessoning that, you know, it's car and driver. You know, we learned yeah. that with, with Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals and those great crew chief and combinations sure did. You know, we see it in baseball and football too, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So each week I ask a driver to give me a question for the next interview. And the last one I did was with Connor Daly. And he was quite excited to hear that uh, it was you that was next. He's like, the legend. He was very excited. Oh, my. Um so he said there used to be, you know, more of a crossover of open wheel drivers racing in NASCAR, like Foyt and Andretti coming over, um, you know, not necessarily like for a full season, but having an opportunity to do something. So his question is, if there's a good NASCAR team that could give a good IndyCar driver an opportunity at like a Daytona 500, would you want to see that? Absolutely. 110%. My story has always been the same. To this day, people say to me, Herman, why do you run dirt? And it took me a little bit to figure it out. But in my era, I watched A.J. Foyt, Mary Andretti. They'd win the Indy 500. And then a couple of days later, they were down 
at, in Terre Haute, Indiana, at the Terre Haute Action Track on dirt with goggles, open face helmet, handkerchief, and, and running a dirt car. Uh, I think it's absolutely fantastic. And what Kyle Larson is doing right now is reminding everybody of those days. You know, and, and Tony Stewart was that type of driver, but Tony didn't enjoy, you know, going from track to track as much as Kyle Larson does. And I think that everybody needs to do it though, before they reach 30, 32, 35 years old, because I think you get set in your ways. You know, I think if an IndyCar driver goes to NASCAR, you know, a little too late, it's, it's hard to adapt. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I, I've seen that with Steve Kinzer, Sammy Swindell coming from World of Outlaw Sprint Cars. You know, you know, Steve Kinzer won an IROC race, but it, it, the older you get, it gets harder to adapt. So we watched what Kurt Busch did. He did it the other way. Kurt Busch went to Indy, you know, at a pretty young age and was able to just, you know, do something incredible. And what he finished sixth in the Indy 500. You don't, you don't see it the other way. That's right. You don't see it the other way because an Indy car is so tedious. They barely turn the wheel. You come to our cars, you got to turn the wheel. Right. It, 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 it's a lot to adapt to. Yeah. Um, so the next interview I'm doing was with, uh, Carson Hosevar from the truck series. Uh, do you have a question I might be able to ask him? Yes. You know, I, I'm very aware of him. Um, I know what I want to ask him. Myself and Justin Agar found it hard to stay in the cup series. We found our home in the Xfinity series. So are you all in? Is it life or death? Do you have to be in the cup series? Are you okay with being truck and or Xfinity, kind of like a Matt Crafton or a Kenny Wallace or Justin Algar? Okay. I love that. I love that. Well, man, this has been fantastic. Uh, I didn't mean to take up so much of your time, but I just got lost in the conversation there. So I, I appreciate it though. It was, it was really good to have you on here. Thank you. Hey, I enjoyed it. it hey, I owe you every once in a while. The Herminator needs therapy too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this was good. This was good for me. I'm going to reflect on a lot of things you said here, especially about social media stuff and perspective and the seriousness of stuff. There's a lot of nuggets to pull from this that I'm going to think about. So I appreciate we're, that. We're all the same, man. I'm not teaching you nothing. All I'm doing is verifying that, that uh, listen, the, I'll tell you this, and you, you can keep it, take it. The president CEO of McDonald's, Ed Renzi, Ed was president like for 10 or 13 years, whatever it was. And he's always been a good friend of mine because he sat on the board of NASCAR and he owned that Lance Snap Cars. And I drove for him a little bit and he's still my buddy. And uh, he said, Kenny, don't get on Twitter. It's so toxic. It's horrible. Stay away from Twitter. And uh, sometimes we feel like, you know, Twitter is a necessary evil, and it is. But I, I'm learning how to control it. And that, that would be my message to you. It's a necessary evil for you and Lee Spencer and, and, and all you. Uh, and it can be, it can, listen, I'm trying to calm my cussing down, but listen, it can be a motherfucker. Yeah. So, 
you know, I'm learning to deal with it and I'm learning to not engage and I'm learning just to report news. Now I read stuff, but it's almost like I have a shot caller. As soon as I get ready to respond, eh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> please, please send me one of those immediately. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I'm the yeah. same way though, buddy. But I, I guess I, I guess I'm so immune to so much crap that really anymore. It's like, you know, once I realized that they talked mean to Cassie Mitchell too, told me all I yeah. needed to know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's, it's a shit show, my friend. It is. Well, I, I appreciate you. Thanks again. And I will uh, hopefully see you in at gateway. Oh yeah. You'll see me there. All right. Hey, our show starts at uh nine 30 that morning. Myself, okay. myself and uh, John Roberts, we're going to kind of do what we do. we got a great stage, big TV screen, and uh, we're going to do, do a dry run on Saturday. We really, we're just going to come out and pick up right where we left, entertain the fans for about 10 minutes. It's an hour and a half, and uh, NASCAR has given us some, uh, some really good people to interview. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll have Rusty and Mike up there, Kyle Larson, and uh, – Forgot who the other ones are, but we got some good drivers and uh but this but we're gonna allow some beer. Hell, we might throw some beer out. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. It's gonna be very fun. All right, buddy. Awesome. Well, have a great day. Appreciate you. Have a good one. Thank you. All right, everybody. There you have it. Kenny Wallace on the 12 questions. And wow, that was that was an interesting one, huh? Uh I really I really got a lot out of that. And I'm still thinking about um, you know, his words about social media and um not taking things to the the life or death extent also in, in just everything we do uh, on a daily basis and uh you know simmer down right uh, I think there's I think there's a lot of truth in, in some of the things he was talking about so uh, maybe some things that you could use for yourself as well anyway the reference there he was making uh to the show they're doing um, they are going to be sort of bringing back the old NASCAR race day for one weekend. Uh, Kenny and John Roberts, as they used to do on, on Speed Channel, they're going to be doing a, a pre-race thing at uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway on Raceway morning on race day morning. So um, you might want to go check that out if you're hearing this before the race. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are sort of uh, miss that miss those old days, and we'll be glad to go see them out there for for that show. Anyway, uh, another interesting one coming up next week with Carson Hosevar. And then the week following that uh, is going to be a little bit of a break for the NASCAR uh, off week, but some good news for you. Uh, following that week, going into Nashville, the first NBC race of the season, um, who better to join the 12 questions than NBC's Dale Earnhardt Jr.? So he will be on the 12 questions uh, on the Wednesday before the Nashville race, uh, at least for subscribers. So, um, yeah, make sure to check that out. And uh, I've already taped that one as well, and it was fantastic. Really enjoyed it. So some good ones coming up. Hopefully you've been enjoying these lately. Definitely appreciate all the support and feedback get, we get from, uh, from doing these. So anyway, thanks so much, as always, for listening. And I will talk to you next time on the 12 Questions Podcast. <laughs>